one has to sort of say, differentiate self-doubt from self-criticism. I think there's a big difference. And my sort of approach to this is I think self-doubt is toxic. You go down the wrong path. I think self-criticism is actually a good thing. When you get into self-doubt, when things don't go well, you start telling yourself, oh my God, what a bad decision. What was I thinking? Why did I do it? And you go down the rabbit hole. The other way to look at it is when you're self-critical, you start saying, okay, okay, made some mistakes. Let's learn from them. Let's move on. Let's not do that again. We could have never predicted the events of last year. And while many of the effects continue to be felt, we've learned to adapt personally and professionally. As a pastry chef, the way I approach my business has transformed tremendously. So I'm talking to entrepreneurs from various industries to follow their journeys, find parallels, and learn from their insights along the way. I'm Pooja Dhingra and you're listening to my podcast, No Sugar Coat, where the sugar stays in the kitchen and out of the conversation. On this episode, I'm talking to the man that brought Greek yogurt to India. It's Rohan Mirchandani on the show as we chat about creating brands like Epigamia and Hokey Pokey, the challenges of cold chain distribution and how to walk the fine line between an entrepreneur and a CEO. I just want to take a minute to tell everybody and really like, you know, I, everyone I meet, I always say, you know, I'm always so grateful to to Rohan because last year was very tough and you really, um, I think, helped me see things a lot differently. And I was in such a dark space for most of the time. I, I remember our conversations, you know, through April, May and June. And then soon after you're like, you sound different. You sound happy now. And I'm like, yeah, finally, that's happened. <laughs> but thank you so much for all your support. And I know for you, it wasn't much. But for me, it meant, you know, it really did mean the world. So thank you. Please, my pleasure, Pooja. And I'm, I'm really happy things worked out and, and where we are now. Rohan, I, you know, I remember two years ago when I came to your office to meet you and we, I don't know, we were having a conversation and I, I, I don't remember the exact context of it, but I do remember you saying that entrepreneurship is like throwing darts really fast at a wall and seeing what sticks and going with that. Yeah. So I think that the context for that was the execution side of it. And, you know, this whole sort of philosophy of, of failing fast, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, um, you know, at least the, the, the right sort of approach you know, if, if you're not being told that you're crazy, um, you know, maybe it's not really an entrepreneurial venture. Um, and the idea were you told that, that I, you were crazy? Uh, I was told beyond beyond crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I I still get told so, and that that keeps me going. I guess. I guess the day I'm told I'm not is the day I'll probably think back and say something's wrong. <laughs> but the idea is, you know, you're as an entrepreneur, you're you're if you think about it philosophically, you're bringing an unconventional approach to something, right? Um, whether it's a new product, a new idea. Uh, technology, whatever it is, it is, the reason it's a startup, the reason it's entrepreneurial is that it's unconventional. It's something different than what we're already seeing. And in order for that to succeed, uh, you know, you don't, since it's unconventional, it's not straightforward. You know, there's always going to be different elements. There's a lot of hypotheses that need to be tested, a lot of assumptions that need to be tested and brought to fruition. And by that, what I was alluding to when we met was that as an entrepreneur, you have to have a series of things you have to try and test assumptions. And then, you know, this sort of philosophy that I, I live by till today is fail fast. The longer you take to fail, the higher the probability of, of not being successful. Um, you know, but, but if you're able to fail fast, learn from the, that failure and move on. And for me, all those assumptions that need to be tested and need to be tested quick are darks. You know, and the idea as an entrepreneur is you keep firing them. So like I said, whether it's new products, whether it's new distribution, whether it's new channels, uh, whether it's technology, whatever it may be, you know, as you throw those darts, you know, you, you see what sticks, yes, 
but also you should be getting closer and closer to the bullseye because every dart should be stronger and stronger as you throw them. And that's sort of what, what I was alluding to. I think that's that's uh, it going closer to the bullseye is something that I got to keep in mind and not just crazily throwing darts, which is what I think well, I was well, doing. You're, 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 you've moved in a lot closer from last year, right? So yes, that's, yes, that's, I that, have. That's all, as long as you're moving towards it, that's all that matters. <laughs> Rohan, I want to talk a little bit about your, you know, your early days. You're not from the food industry. You've, you know, studied business and finance. And how did that translate into ice cream to begin with? So not only am I not from the food industry, I also didn't, I didn't grow up in India. I grew up in the United States. Okay. So you know, so I had sort of two two things at me in terms of uh, you know unconventional. That's for sure. I think that the reality was I, I realized that I'm I'm a very passion driven person, and you know, food was always something that has been the core of, of for me. Wine is another thing that I love, and in general, just you know, for me, I'm the kind of individual that. When you travel, you know, for me, it's all about the culinary experience. Um, I refuse to eat anything but the local food wherever I go. Culinary sort of drives my travel as well. And I think, uh, and I know I'm, I'm speaking to uh, someone who's very similar. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think for me, that was that. At the same time, I, I was never a chef, yeah. um, even though, I mean, I you know, made my way in the kitchen. I'd say one out of 10, I, I make it rain. But aside from that, um, I think that led me to do something around food. I always wanted to be in food. But my entry into the industry and the ice cream business, as you've alluded to, was more just a hobby, passion-driven side investment when it started. Um, I, I was visiting India, you know, 10, 10 odd years ago. And had come across the local local chef, Chef Ganesh, who was my co-founder. And my involvement, honestly, was was restricted to just being an angel investor and and sort of a, a passion-driven side investment. There was absolutely no business plan. There was absolutely no planning. I mean, we every mistake we could make, we made. Um, and, okay, that's you know, good and, to know. That's that's yeah, very reassuring, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, what what kind of business plan did you have? I had a book. I had a golden book. When I started, I was 22 and I had like this science books, this Indian science books that are like blank on one side and ruled on the other. And I got one of those and I cut up pictures for magazines. And I was like, this is my business plan. <laughs> I, you know, on, honestly, and, and I'm saying this since this is a no holds barred podcast, uh, I'm, I'm saying this that, you know, even today, honestly, I, I really don't know what, you know, a business plan is a business plan. It's just a nice, yeah. I think today's business plans, maybe you, you do some investor pleasing, you know, you keep yourself honest a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, as an entrepreneur, your job is to just keep on top of the trend and see if you can push through your agenda with the trend, right? I mean, that's really what success comes from. You know, that's how you scale. That's how you get your customers. Business plans come and go. There's no business plan I've made that's five years out that looks any, anything like it. But yeah, I mean, coming back to the, the day one, there was no business plan. You know, there was nothing to keep us honest, <laughs> nothing to keep us disciplined. And honestly, for me, it was just, like I said, it was a side investment. It was something that, you know, I thought I would intend to do by being back in the United States, I, I had just gotten into business school. So I, I ended up going to B school. I thought, you know, one foot in B school, I'll do this on the weekends. I'll do this on the side. That really led me to understand later on and, and where I stand today that never, ever do something with half your heart. On the side. Um, you know, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, sure, you may need some time to think it through or get the financial side of it sorted. Of course, you know, that's something that one has to do. But, you know, at some point that cord needs to be cut. You either do it or you don't. And I think that's how this thing started with ice cream. And then it eventually evolved. And all these things I'm telling you, I've learned after making all the mistakes. So I didn't know any of this going into <laughs> it. Um, I just want to know that, you know, I wanted to understand. So you had the ice cream business and Hokey Pokey was around. And then you decided that, what was the decision for you to say, no more ice cream and we're going to pivot and do something completely different? When did that happen? 
Yeah, so you know that that piece of it. So I'll tell you one piece of it that has not swayed for for me um, and for the for the company as a whole. When I when I decided to move to India, that was in 2013. Um, you know, two years after we launched the ice cream business and take this on full time, was we were very clear and convinced that the the, the north star for us was to build a brand. That that was the end of the day. What we wanted to do, we wanted to build a brand, and the idea was not to sound a little little emotional here, but the idea was to build a brand that would stand the test of time. You know, obviously the market trends around India when when I was in school, and you know, you're looking at you know still continues to be one of the most disruptive consumer markets globally. And the idea was that this this sort of decade or two um, that was coming, which was back in 2013, so we're still in the middle of it, is going to see consumer brands, especially in the food and FMCG space, be born that will stand the test of time. And for me, what was inspiring and sort of gave me that eureka moment, um, as they say in Hindi, the Kanti Bajge moment when I was in business school, was, you know, create something that would be around, you know, even after I left planet Earth, you know, whatever that means, we'll see. And, and I think that never changed. And the idea was, you know, and this is, mind you, post launching the business, this vision came. So again, you know, another takeaway is, you know, no business plan, no vision from day one that all happened, you know, as, as things transpired. And, and, and the, the thought process was never to just do one product. It was to do multiple ones. And, and the idea was to create a brand. By the way, Greek yogurt was always something that I was passionate about because I was on campus as an undergrad at NYU when, when Chobani had launched. And that's, you know, exactly. a brand that I seek immense inspiration from, um, not just not just from the product, but from the brand and what you know, Hamdi has done. I mean, it's just, it's very inspirational, you know, what the, the society driven, the mission driven company that they've created and, and very inspired and continue to be inspired by that. And I think the way we saw it is that we were going to do multiple products. And when I moved to India, that was the idea, uh, not just to stick to one. What we didn't foresee is that the second baby would just take off in a way that, you know, and again, that's throwing darts, you know, we, we sharpened yeah. up the dart a little bit. And the way the second baby took off, um, you know, and, and to sort of answer your question, the idea was always to do both. It was to have multiple product lines. Also with the ice cream business, what we learned was that it was very seasonal, you know, during monsoons, during the off season, uh, the sales would just dip. So the idea was to launch a complementary product, you know, and, and complementary to this. And uh, I think we definitely the second second dart was a lot more potent. Yeah, I remember you telling me the first time we met that the ice cream business, you make 90% of revenue from like two months. A some, couple of months, yeah, especially, yeah, months. especially on, the, on, on, the, on the more premium segment, premium side. Yeah. You know, I think uh, you're, you're, you're restricted because you have in these few months, you're doing the bulk of your sales. Uh, yeah, you got some holiday seasons here and there. But in general, um, you know, especially in, in pockets of the country where you have monsoons or in the north where it gets cold, you'll definitely see a big dip in, in, in ice cream sales. And more so, you know, from a, a distribution perspective, a lot of the Kirana shops and the GT stores, you know, the, the, the Wildlife tell you, you know, come back during season, you know, don't bother us right now. Mm. So it became very tough to sort of scale a business, you know, from scratch. I, I was confident we would get there in 10, 15 years, but that was never the objective. We wanted to do something, you know, and make an impact in the short run. Now that I'm getting into like distribution and understand and creating products that, you know, are at ambient temperature, they like have a longer shelf life. I mean, cold chain, like you went from one, you know, to for, from ice cream to, to yogurt. Like what what were the, the difficulties that you faced building this this cold chain, uh, you know, system in India? And, and has it gotten your smile tells me it's not gotten a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, so so. You know, the, the cold chain was actually, it wasn't just about being difficult. It was it was fundamentally the barrier to entry. You know, initially when we went to distributors with yogurt, they laughed in our face. You know, they said, no no way, not interested. You know, we, we, we begged and begged. We were able to convince a few 
Um, but we realized that actually the reason this category has not taken off in India is because nobody has attempted the cold chain around it. It wasn't necessarily a demand issue or a product issue, um, even though we feel we have a very farly superior product. Of course we do. <laughs> At least I, I drink great. I drink I'm the obsessed Kool-Aid. with it. I eat it like three times a day. It's amazing. <laughs> At least that's what I convince myself when I sleep every night and drink the Kool-Aid. But I think the idea was um, we realized that to really build this, we'll have to build this from scratch. And today, yeah. you know, in a city like Mumbai and a city like Delhi and maybe maybe second or third or fourth in a city like Mumbai, Today, we probably have one of the largest um, direct cold chain distributions, and we are our own cold chain distributor in the major cities. Now, with some scale, we've been able to convince distributors to take us on in tier two, tier three cities. And now some of the distributors we were begging earlier would love to take our business on. But I guess, you know, we're debating what makes sense. But now that we've reached a little bit of economies of scale, it's also very profitable for us. But in the beginning of the years, you know, a lot of the, in fact, even a lot of the capital we raised from institutional investors was put towards building out a cold chain. In fact, our, our, our business model was building a cold chain. Um, in fact, now we're starting to test that out and say, you know, is an, another side business that can be created around this where we actually take on some, some entrepreneurs and other businesses. So we've actually started, in fact, as we speak uh, this month, we're going to be taking on, um, you know, some clients as a separate division to do some distribution for them and see if that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to uh, call you. <laughs> I'm going to call you for that. Yes, yes. yes. Let us know when you're ready. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we were speaking last year, there was one one of the things that you kept telling me was that, and and I have this habit of looking back and looking at all the mistakes that I made and feeling really shitty about them, feeling really guilty about them. And the one thing that you kept constantly telling me is, we're not looking back. We're not looking. We're not going there. Yeah. Does that play a big part? Because if you keep looking at the past. That obviously, I mean, you know, blocks you from what you can achieve in the future. And we were also talking about the time that you were franchising and, um, yeah. you know, the, this mm-hmm. this path that came in and you had a lot of insights on on things that could go wrong. I don't want to know what went wrong, but yeah. I want to know the mindset yeah. of how do you deal with things when they go wrong? Yeah. So I think my philosophy has always been look forward. I think what you need to look at the past for is to anticipate if something could go wrong. So you're not surprised. You know, I think that's what we need to look at history or past for. Um, and this is, I guess this is just my, my life philosophy. It drives my wife insane, but that's just how I am. Uh, you know, I, it just, <laughs> I'm not saying you, you repeat your mistakes. I mean, we, we all get, we're all gonna, we're all human. We're all gonna repeat mistakes, but we shouldn't be surprised. I, I think that, that's the idea that you want to use from the past, right? But I think if you sort of live in the past, you know, what you don't want is to, to put yourself in a rabbit hole where it prevents you from moving forward in the future. What we need to look to the past for is to not be surprised as we go forward, but it shouldn't, if it starts restricting what you can do, then you'll stop doing anything, right? And I think what the takeaway, and you know, like you said, without getting into too much nitty gritty, you know, we we tried our hands in, in franchising hokey pokey, hokey pokey parlors. And I mean, it was just an, an utter disaster as I've, as, as I've clearly explained to you and maybe scared you a little bit too. Uh, but I, but <laughs> No, I thank you. I would that, have done it by now. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is that, you know, franchising is just one example. There's so many other things we're doing. I mean, we went in to do direct to consumer. We're doing digital business now. Uh, we're launching new product lines. We're launching new geographies. But the learning from franchising helps us think through, you know, these areas when we go ahead. Um, the way I look at it is go with the dart philosophy, throw the darts, fail fast, but be, but expect some failure, expect things to go wrong and don't be surprised and don't go crazy and 
you know, drive yourself into a dark hole of things go wrong. Things <laughs> and, are going and, and to go keep wrong. Crying about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, th- things are going to go wrong. If things, you know, yeah. we don't. If if everything was going to be going right, everyone would be an entrepreneur. Everyone would be doing what you're doing. Things are going to go wrong. It's just how fast can you learn from that, and how fast can you move on, um, and and how and and your you know philosophy of just continuing to move forward. Um, otherwise, you know, you'll you'll just drive yourself insane. And and I think you know to that point, even today. I, I, every day there's problems. I mean, don't, you know, I'm not living in some great world. I mean, we have insane issues that are happening every day. The question is, how are we moving on from it? And sometimes you have to pull the plug. I mean, there are products that you just have to say, look, or, or strategies that, you know, I know you had some, your heart invested or your passion invested in it, but dude, it's not working. Don't do it. Yeah. Pull it. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a tough one, right? To separate the emotion yeah. from from reality but uh, Rohan, when when things when things go wrong and when things fail right like for example you're you're really trying to build out this ice cream business you know six seven years ago and say that's not going the way you want it and you have a, a new business do you carry that failure with you like and i'll tell you the reason why i was thinking about this because i was thinking that okay last year turned around great for me in fact you know this is better than i could have ever imagined but if it hadn't and i had to go out to market again to raise money again to talk to people again would i carry those failures with me would i be able to you know just go and because you're essentially selling right so how do you go from that failure to then selling something and i remember you saying that there were people that you know didn't really believe in this idea of yogurt and didn't think that that's what they wanted to put their money in for. So what was that that for you? What was that turning point for you like? I think, you know, this whole notion of dwelling in the past, I think it's actually healthy to dwell in the future as an entrepreneur. And I think that's where one, at least the head of an organization, the entrepreneur, co-founder, CEO should spend their time there. And I'll, I'll give you specifics and I'll give you a very interesting sort of example as well. I think, like you rightfully said, there was so many points of our journey where we started Epigamia and the idea was to be complementary to, to Hokey Pokey, the ice cream business, right? And that's how we always saw it. I mean, that's the way we looked at it. But when we started seeing the conversations that were happening with consumers and we started seeing the traction we were getting with just the first group of consumers, things like we found that um, a very similar consumer of Hokey Pokey who was consuming Epigamia just looked at this as a lifestyle product versus a cheat or like a celebratory product, which was the ice cream business, right? So we found that same consumer that would probably have Hokey Pokey once a month or once every two months was literally consuming this every day, you know, five days a week, one cup a day. The idea was like, you know, this thing can really scale. I mean, if I look to the future and if I dwell in the future, you know, this thing can become very large in terms of if we just get more and more customers. So at a point when you're still doing majority of your sales from the ice cream business, this vision comes to you, this dart has worked, it's stuck. That's when you start taking hard decisions and that's when you rightfully said, you you know detach the emotion from the business side of it and you put that hat on and say, you know how big can this become? And, and then you have to also think of resources and allocation of resources. You know Where do I wanna put my energy, time, effort? Forget capital, capital is super important, but even just in terms of your, your internal resources, your people, yourself, your time. A great example of this is actually Netflix. So if we look at Netflix, a lot of people don't know that prior to being what they are today, which is now a production company, and prior to that being the broadband, you know, OTT platform, um, they were a DVD rental company. A lot of people sort of know that in the United States. What they don't know is prior to being a DVD rental company, they were actually a DVD sales company. You know, back when, when I was much younger, you could go online and you used to buy DVDs from them. And at that time, DVD rental was just unheard of, especially shipping in the mail, putting a DVD into an envelope, 
I mean, that was crazy, right? If you look at and to draw an inspiration, you know, 98% of their sales were just DVD sales. And, you know, they took a call when just 1% of their sales was coming from DVD rental to actually kill the entire DVD sales business because they realized the amount of energy effort they were putting. And they were not a small DVD sales business. They were doing 10, 20 millions of dollars. And to take that decision that, you know, because they saw they were they were living in the future. Um, I mean, they've been living in the future from day one because, you know, they're always they've always been one step ahead of the curve. But it's inspirational to think, you know, imagine as an entrepreneur, as a, and especially in India, as, as my favorite word as a dhandewala or dhandawala, um, <laughs> to tell yourself, I'm going to cut off 90%, 99% of my business because I think there's something different to be done in the future. And it's a hard one. And it's, a, you know, like you said, there's an emotional side to it. Yeah. But I think one has to look at emotion, business, and also vision. And where that sort of marries, uh, and I think it comes intuitively. And and the way my answer to this is, we all know what the deci- right decision is. We just need to disconnect our emotions from the right decision. We it, it's inside you. That decision is in there. All of us. We know what the right thing to do is. We just have to make that that we have to disconnect and take that decision. But then, how how do you deal with self doubt, Rohan? How do you didn't you ever think that? What if this doesn't work? You know, when I think of scale, I mean, it's great when you look at it and you think you think in the future and you say, yes, this could be really good. But then do you ever have yeah. moments of what if it's not? Like what, what happens then? Is that something so that... I, yeah. yeah, so I, I think Puja, one has to take this into a serious discussion, but one has to differentiate self-doubt from self-criticism. Mm. I think there's a big difference. And, I, and my sort of approach to this is I think self-doubt is toxic. You go down the wrong path. I think self-criticism is actually a good thing. What I mean by self-criticism is um, allowing yourself to challenge yourself, allowing yourself to be self-aware, Okay. And then when you take that hard decision, knowing that things are not going to go well. So when you when you get into self-doubt, when things don't go well, you start telling yourself, oh, my God, what a bad decision. What was I thinking? Why did I do it? And you go down the rabbit hole. The other way to look at it is when you're self-critical, you start saying, OK, OK, made some mistakes. What can, let's learn from them. Let's move on. Let's not do that again. Uh, okay, really screwed Very that important. one up. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 not you know keep repeating the same mistake. Yeah. Um, and then to the extent where if it didn't work, pull the plug. There's no shame in pulling the plug. Yeah. It takes a, a seriously evolved individual from a philosophical, from an intellectual, from a strength perspective to pull the plug. Um, and I think that's why I really believe you know going down the self-critical path is a lot more important and 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 is positive then obviously the toxic self-doubt path, if that makes sense. That's Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, to look at it. What is one thing that you know about leadership now, Rohan, that you wish you'd known earlier? Yeah, I think um, uh, this is very specific to me, you know, and, and this, is a, this is a journey I'm going through today. Um, and it's a tough one where there's this very fine line between, you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur and then what it takes to be, you know, and, and I hate this word, but unfortunately, we have to have some qualifications is the CEO, oh. you know, um, and I think a, a lot of people, you know, uh, and, and there's two different things, right? And and not all entrepreneurs, I think, are meant to be CEOs. I'll, I'll let you know when I find out if I am meant to be one. I'm still still in the process of, of learning. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and I think this, this it's a very, it's, a, it's this chasm one has to cross to move from entrepreneur to CEO. And a lot of people, you know, again, coming back to self-criticism and self-awareness, there's a lot of people that are born entrepreneurs, that are a lot of people that are born CEOs, born leaders. I think it's very hard to find the ones that are that are able to do both. But at, at some point, you know, not all of us can go out there and say, oh, I'm going to go hire a CEO, which is, you know, it, it doesn't work that way, right? You have to play that role. 
the, the point is why I why I, doesn't it just work that way why can't i just go out and say hey i love making cakes but can somebody exactly. else come and run the business i, mean, I just want to, I just want to do all the is... testing and trials and, and i'll let you know if it tastes i just good want or to make and... cake man like why does it have to be so hard why do i have to deal with all these other problems i i swear i spend like 20 minutes a day actually doing the job like you know like actually yeah. in the kitchen like making something yeah. new or creating something the rest of it is i mean uh, largely a lot of admin a lot of like planning for the future just firefighting what is it like for you same i mean i think i think the idea is as i said one of the biggest things is as an entrepreneur you know you know where what you're good at you know what you're dangerous at right like you said you're dangerous in the kitchen i'm dangerous when i'm with consumers in in the brand side of it right i would love to just you know tell sid hey take take a little break and let me be the cmo and let someone else be the ceo for some time and that would be like a dream come true but that's not going to happen <laughs> uh you know and also it does because i'm disorganized i think the whole team will go insane if i'm the head of the marketing <laughs> function but i think no but on on a serious note i think yeah. just understanding what you just talked about understanding what is the best use of your time you know and maybe puja the right answer for you is spending a little more time in the kitchen and and having a co-founder or or a founding member that's spending some other time on others and i'm not saying i'm just throwing that out there it's not that's not the solution but i'm throwing that out there with you we'll just pause for one second whoever's listening guys i'm looking for a co-founder please write in to hr at love15.com awesome i've tried everything rohan maybe this will work Yes, yes, let's do it. Let's 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 get it circulated. Um but no but but, but sorry, on a serious sorry, note, yeah. I think I think that that, that yeah. is something, right? I think I think the idea is what is the best use of your time as far as the company yeah. is concerned. And today the best use of your time is there because you have to spend time on those elements. And frankly that's because no one else will do it. But I think as you sort of evolve and move from entrepreneur to CEO or leader or leadership, you know, things like, you know, mentoring um the people you're working with you know because that becomes a, a very critical because they have their own journeys that they have to evolve and and you're supposed to be the leader so you have to be the mentor so that that's one side of it the other side of it is you know is it really a good use of time if rohan is involved in every sales call and questioning every single aspect of why we didn't do sales this day or this month or this hour or this second and then you'd have to start thinking about okay maybe it's not the best use of my time or their time maybe we should just make those weekly meetings you know instead of me being a pain in the ass every minute and at the same time what is the best use of my time where should i be spending my time you know where should everyone be spending their time and i think that's when you start seeing this evolution from entrepreneurship to leadership because we all know time is finite that's something none of us has luxury of yeah um and i think that's something that i would say to me was the biggest sort of learning is you know time and and how to allocate it um you know we take that for granted trust me that is when 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 you figure that out and by the way i have still not figured it out i'm still maybe i'm just 30 40% there Um I feel like when I will figure yeah. it out um I I'll I'll probably be the most dangerous I can be. Don't I want to ask you what are the some of the main lessons that you learned from 2020? Yeah, I think um similar lessons that that everybody learned, you know, I think uh one thing is for sure I I realized that my organization which I'm very proud to be a part of um definitely thrives when our backs are to the wall. <laughs> that was something that i learned so i not what what that tells me is that i'm not pushing them enough <laughs> i think i think i need to push them more and more it took a crisis for me to 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 discover this but i think one thing is for sure and i'm i'm being very cheesy here when i say this is that not, you know just not to take anything for granted you know we looked at so many elements i remember and, and i'll be very specific what i mean by that right yeah we looked at prior to the the pandemic a portion of our business was institutional what i mean by that is hotels, schools, we had some airports, uh, a lot of office complexes. 
And I remember saying, you know, this is an area that we need to really push and bet behind, right? Because it's really going to take us to the next level. It's a great product to be consumed on the spot. You know, it's a, it's a great product that people who are looking for a quick, healthy snack, you know, can consume it right there and then. And then, you know, pandemic hits and, you know, we realized that that channel is just completely cut off. And where we stand today, it's a big unknown for us. We don't know, right? And I, I, we have no idea what's going to happen. What we do know is that that same consumer that was consuming us in the hotel and the schools uh, was sitting at home and ordering on digital. So I think what I'm saying is, you know, don't take your, your strategy for granted. Um, things are going to change um, and they're going to evolve. The pandemic showed us how fast things can change and evolve. And secondly, you know, focus on your consumer because you live and die by it. I mean, again, we know, again, not to sound cheesy and what, what you hear from everybody, but, but to be very specific, as I said, the same at the end of the day, what we should have been focusing on when we looked at our business strategy is the consumer um, and different areas we can find them rather than saying, oh, you know what, we'll do really well in hotels and we'll do really well in schools and we'll do really well in office complexes. But guess what? We were able to get to those same people, except we got to them through digital, through e-com and through D2C and other areas. So I think that was a, a huge learning for me. Um, you know, um, and I think that translates to keep that big picture mentality always, you know, and Alluding to one of the themes of this this discussion today is, you know, live in the future a little bit. It helps, you know, it helps to dwell in the future. It helps to live in the future. You know, it may not help your day-to-day life, but it'll definitely help you think through, you know, when you're establishing your vision. So I think these were probably the two of the biggest takeaways for me that, you know, um, and then if any of my team members are listening, you know, I've, I've learned I, I need to push them a little harder. <laughs> and secondly, uh, <laughs> because they were just awesome. I mean, they, they just thrived under the pressure, which was great. And I'm so proud to be a part of that. And then secondly, you know, um, don't think, really don't think things for granted, especially when you're thinking of business strategy. Of course, that applies to life functions as well. But definitely for us, when we think through business strategy as well. And I think that's what we discussed last year as well. And you were like, just go online, do it. <laughs> and yeah. Took me a while, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty life changing for us too, in a very small small way. Rohan, what's the one thing you know about money now that you wish you knew earlier? About money, that's interesting. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll answer this a little differently. So I'll tell you this much. I think one thing I do know is, you know, and this is this is just a, a one hundred one for any entrepreneur. What I've realized is. You know, the ones that are in it um, to make money, I realize never end up making money. And the ones that are in it for for reasons that are beyond money, you know, and today there's we see a lot of it with mission, mission driven and activist driven entrepreneurs, which I have an immense respect for. At least the theme I see and, and the way it works out is I think when you start doing it for reasons as outside of money, money seems to come. I mean, money seems to follow. And I think that's something that, that uh, uh, you know, I've, I've realized in this, in this journey, um, because if you actually bring it and peg it down to the blood, sweat and tears and the hourly rate, the amount of hours that have gone in and what will probably come out, at least where I stand today, maybe things will change going forward. The hourly rate is not that, not different from what <laughs> I could have probably done in a job. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the self-satisfaction is really what, um, you know, drives this. And, and like I said, means reasons that are beyond, beyond money when it comes to why you do an entrepreneurial venture. Interesting. It's always good to have some though, huh? <laughs> I'm just yeah, like from after always. last year, I'm like, money, <laughs> save it. <Yes. laughs> you kept saying, uh, you know, in this conversation that the, the future thinking is something you should do for work, but not for family. You know, as as an entrepreneur who's 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 who also has a family and we know that it's tough. I mean, you know, we work long hours. Uh, you have, uh, you know, young child child right at yep, home yep two two yeah two boys what is that like for you and 
how i mean you know i get asked about work life balance all the time what is work life balance for you like yeah it's a it's a tough one you know i i i'm still trying to figure that out and i'm probably the worst person to ask that question because you know i'd say work life balance was zero probably up until you know maybe my my son was born and and even post that it's been pretty pretty restricted not only do i echo i mean i i reinforce that statement you know do not live in the future when it comes to your family I learned the hard way. <laughs> just just planning Can you explain that? Can you explain that a little bit? Why do you Planning their future is just is not enough. <laughs> you you, okay. you you can't expect to uh, just plan what they're going to be doing in the future. Uh, I think you need to sort of, you know, play your role on the day-to-day as well. I think like I said, allocation of time. I think it really comes back to that, right? You know, and I think we look at the four elements, right? You've got work, professional life, you've got your health, you've got your family life, and then you've got sleep. you know somewhere along the journey at least in the beginning all those get compromised because you're just all into the um, but i would say at least you know and and today definitely one to two of those continue to get compromised for what it's worth but i i don't think it's an easy one you know i think i i, I love you know a lot of people say you know make sure you balance your work life balance make sure you're able to spend some time yeah i mean it's easier said than done right it's very easy to say that you know it's 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 not it's not possible i mean i i may be wanting to watch power rangers with my son on TV um and I'll get a very important call and honestly you know the there's one philosophy that says no call is important you know it's not important you know but yeah it's very much easier said than done yeah. at the end of the day this is also a baby it's a baby for you i think the idea is being being self critical being aware that you know maybe i cannot have an organized at least this is not personal for me i don't have an organized fixed schedule um and i think that's where my wife's a rock star she's really able to understand that now It's been a long time we finally got there uh that my schedule is going to be erratic there is going to be madness of course you know and that's how it works but saying okay that's fair but when you do have that extra time you know when things when shit isn't hitting the fan when the business is not being turned upside down okay maybe those hours optimize and spend day to day you know at, at least <laughs> which is like one day a month <laughs> yeah or or, or 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 even if you have that hour a day or half an hour a day right yeah, yeah. and for me i think that's where i i try to sort of play a role you know so if it's maybe helping you know being with with my boys to put them to sleep my older one's a lot more fun now he's a little older so i can actually interact with him um he just asks way too many freaking questions so that's a different story <laughs> but i think that's where it helps right and then for me i do a lot of i i try to at least um you know if, if obviously getting workouts is very tough in this you know entrepreneurial lifestyle i try to go in and play the sport with him you know so if i can try to bang out my workout but also you know exercise through playing something with him which is fun for him fun for me and and do that so i think how I, old are they um so my older one is 6 and the younger one is 2 okay so still relatively young yeah and i think that's the idea right you know any minute even if it's just a, a couple of minutes in between to be silly with them just be crazy with them you know do some a pillow fight whatever whatever it is and you know and i definitely want to you know try to do that so i've given up on having fixed schedule i think my wife's given up on that as well absolutely zero reliance on me for anything but you know but on a day-to-day basis on a spot basis uh, you know wherever i can come in yeah. um you know try to optimize that time so that helps me get some time with them you know which is great amazing i have my last two questions rohan sure one is um what is the one thing that you would say that i would never ever do this again <laughs> you know just doing something half-assed you know when i invested in this it was a side hobby till date i don't even know what an angel investor means you know i think it requires some level of sophistication which i do not have you know doing something like that and then doing it sort of with one leg out the door one leg in the door 
I think um, that's something I will never do for anything I ever do again. You know, I, I will never take any approach to anything I ever do in my life ever again like that. And what I mean by that is you also tend to take decisions that are just, you know, when you do something half-assed, you also tend to take decisions half-assed. And I think that's something that I, I, I learned. And that's something that I don't think I'll ever repeat that mistake ever in my life. Whatever I do, I will do 100% or I won't do it at all. I'm not just doing it for cosmetic reasons or, you know, just for kicks. Um, I think it'll be all in or all out. Now, that could also lead to negative things I do that are all in or all out, but that's something that my friends and family have to deal with. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. What is the big picture for you? Like when you, you said you look at the future a lot and you have to do something that people will call you crazy. What's the craziest thing that you think? Uh, are you even like, okay, saying it? Or like, do you have something that's so crazy that you can't talk about it? The so crazy part, I won't talk about today okay. because uh, you may just end this call and be like, I don't think I want to talk to this guy ever again. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, or he's, he's literally off the Looney Tune path. I'll save that, you know, the so crazy part for maybe later. Maybe it won't be so crazy in a few years. Pooja, I think uh, on a serious note, I think the idea is, you know, to make Epigami a household brand, right? And, and that's the idea. I mean, that, that's the North Star. You know, and there's so many different things we're doing around it. Um, you know, we've got some some more crazy product launches. You you've tried the first or second version of our key spreads. We have our our, our version 3.0 coming, which I think is going to be disruptive. We're very excited about that. Um, you know, that's happening. I, I listen. I'm more excited about your products than you. Okay. Cream cheese. I saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. like I, so the, I get targeted with those ads. So I woke right. up on my Instagram and I saw Epigamia is doing cream cheese now. First thing I messaged you was like, I have a plan. <laughs> I do have a plan for you. <laughs> no, that we need to have a chat like in the next day or two. Just let me know yeah, whenever. Yeah. Um, so definitely on the product side. But I think for me, what's compelling is how to make this a household brand name in India um, that goes beyond just the major cities, you know, just really well distributed across. And, and like you rightfully said, product strategy has, has a lot to do with it. And we have a lot of elements there. And then, of course, the short term dream is is how do we sort of make this, you know, made in India brand, which a lot of people till date think is an imported foreign brand. Uh, and it's not, it's 100% Indian, 100% made in India, all the ingredients and everything. Um, how can we capitalize on that made in India footprint and then take it around the world? That's a big one for us. And then there's a third layer to this, which is the Looney layer, which we'll talk maybe a different day on. <laughs> oh, no, you can't leave us like this. We need to know the Looney layer. <laughs> what is the Looney layer? Give me, give me a hint. So we want to, how can I keep it simple? We want to own your fridge. Let me rephrase this. We want you to outsource your refrigerator to us your home refrigerator to us. We'll leave it at that. Okay, I'm going to chat with you on this and see how I can get in <laughs> on this refrigerator owning part. Thank you so much for speaking to me, Rohan. That was a very inspiring conversation. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do with my fridge. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Pooja. I really appreciate it. Uh, pleasure to be on. Thank you. That was Rohan Majandani in conversation with me, Pooja Dhingra on No Sugar Coat. By the way, Lo15 now delivers across India, so go get your sugar fix at lo15.com. 